I used to recoil when a partner would touch me in a loving, tender way. My body would literally, instinctively pull away. It would literally shut down when I was hugged. I was unable to tell someone how I felt because I was so afraid of not being good enough, of being rejected, of my worst fear coming true, of being unlovable. I was disconnected from my body during intimate and sexual encounters because my nervous system was conditioned, utterly conditioned, to be trapped in a fight or flight response. I was a prisoner in my own body, a prisoner of my physiology. I was a prisoner of my trauma without even realizing it. Vulnerability is fucking terrifying. I'm going to be real honest. <laughs> and it hasn't always felt safe for me. In fact, for a majority of my life, it felt extremely unsafe. I grew up not feeling safe enough to express what I was thinking and feeling and sensing because I was afraid of the punishment that would likely result. And I still struggle to be vulnerable. It's a conscious choice that I have to make in each moment. Expressing my feelings and my needs openly often still makes my body clench with fear, even though there's no longer anything to be afraid of. But I'm learning, I'm still learning, and I've come a really long way. And I'm proud that I'm able to make a choice to be vulnerable. It wasn't always that way. And even though it's been challenging, it's been hard to learn that skill, vulnerability has literally changed everything in my life everything. If you haven't already guessed, this episode is all about vulnerability. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of the Conscious Pussy Podcast. 
I'm your host, Jennifer Alderetta. Today we're going to be talking about vulnerability. And I need to be honest. It's it's much easier to be vulnerable when you're sitting by yourself in a room talking into a microphone. Though I will admit that I used to struggle even to admit things to myself. My upbringing was not exactly conducive to vulnerability. Vulnerability isn't something that was modeled to me. It's not a skill that my family of origin was given during their own life path. And so there were no skills to model to me. That made it really hard to be a highly sensitive and intuitive kid. I've always been extremely sensitive. But if you had asked me when I was in my early 20s if I was sensitive or if I considered myself an emotional person, I would have said no. Because the trauma that I had experienced as part of my childhood and the lack of skills that were modeled coupled with the dysfunctional skills that were modeled made vulnerability feel really dangerous to me. My physical safety felt in jeopardy. And there were a handful of times that I remember when I remember stepping out on a limb and being vulnerable and being utterly and completely shut down. And it was absolutely crushing. Vulnerability is an act of courage. And we're not conditioned to think of it that way. And I know that I certainly wasn't. My upbringing was rife with trauma of all sorts, emotional abuse, physical violence. There was a lot of trauma around the health of immediate family members, chronic illnesses and life-threatening illnesses. There was a lot of highly traumatic experiences that I had as a kid and an early adult. So vulnerability was not exactly a priority for me, even though it is something that I desperately, desperately craved and wanted. 
but I was taught through my experiences that the world wasn't safe enough for vulnerability, not for the type of vulnerability that I felt that I needed, not for someone who was as sensitive and as empathetic and as intuitive as I was and am. Our society tells us that to express ourselves openly is an act of weakness. Don't be so sensitive. Wipe your eyes. Big girls and boys don't cry. Don't be such a crybaby. Be a man. Stop being such a pussy. Those aren't exactly messages of acceptance of vulnerability, acceptance of the multifacetedness of the human condition. And think about our ideas around surrender. Because surrender to me is a huge act of vulnerability. But it's often considered an act of shame and dishonor. Think of surrender in terms of battle or war. The meaning of that that word in that context is when you think about it, having the courage to admit that you can't win. Having the courage but our conditioning around vulnerability, around surrendering to what's true inside of ourselves is meant to elicit shame. And that's such a, (laughs) that's such a shame. Think, or think of action movies. So many is pretty much the plot of every action movie that I've ever seen, where the hero is avenging something at any cost. And it's almost always a male, almost always a white male, and at least what I see in those movies as an intuitive woman is repressed feelings, repressed sadness, repressed repressed grief, manifesting as anger and rage and the need for revenge, no matter the cost. <laughs> I don't know that I've seen many action movies that didn't really follow a similar plot line or didn't have similar character development. So it's, it's no wonder that surrendering to our emotions, surrendering to our feelings, surrendering to what is authentic and true within ourselves feels so shameful. And we're so hard on ourselves. 
ourselves in particular, we're so hard on ourselves, so much more than we are on others. We're our own worst critic, and I know we've all heard that saying a million times. You're your own worst critic, but it's true, especially when it comes to vulnerability. Our own vulnerability often feels like shame and weakness, and there's so many other layers to this because there is so much conditioning in our society you know, it, it's often kind of stereotyped that groups of young people tease each other, boys in particular, tease each other for crying or for being a pussy or for being doing something like a girl, whatever it is, for showing a, a emotion, for expressing something that's authentic and vulnerable. But overall, we're so much harder on ourselves than we are on others. Often that criticism, at least what I have found and have come to believe, is that our criticism of vulnerability in others is simply a mirror of how critical we are of ourselves internally and tends to be, to a lesser degree, we're less critical on others than we are of ourselves. At least I know that that's been true in my own past when I struggled with that. But... Think about how many times have you sat through something like a TED Talk or a documentary or some interview or some sort of you know program, whatever it is, some sort of video, and watched someone spill their deepest, most intimate feelings and just spill their emotional guts and how many times have you witnessed that and thought, wow, that's fucking brave. I wish I could do that too. In others, when we see vulnerability in others, and Brene Brown, I love her to death, talks, I don't know her personally, <laughs> talking like I am friends with her, but I, I love her, the work that she does. And she talks about this a lot, about how Vulnerability, when we see it in others, appears so brave and so courageous, but the thought of us stepping up on a stage or being interviewed and sharing those deep parts of ourselves is fucking scary. And it feels, it makes us feel weak. It makes us feel afraid and fear feels weak to us. So one of the, the big things that I wanna focus on in this episode is not only how vulnerability, how and why vulnerability manifests, but later on in the podcast, I, I wanna get into how we can start you know, kind of getting into a mindset where we can start to engage in small daily acts of vulnerability to kind of build that muscle. Because vulnerability is a muscle like anything else. It's a skill. Like anything else, you're not good at tying your shoes the first time you try to do it. In fact, you're terrible at it. I had a, <laughs> a two-year-old playing with my shoes recently, a, a gal that I work with 
her daughter was playing with my shoes and, and tying them. She didn't tie a knot in them. She was just playing with them and said, ta-da, here it is, I did it. <laughs> so when we're faced with shoelaces and we don't know how to tie them, nothing, often nothing happens. Maybe every, every try in a thousand would result in a knot, but that's not because we know what we're doing. It's pure luck. So that's not to say that when we don't have that vulnerability muscle built up, when we don't have that vulnerability skill that's been cultivated inside of us and in, in, within our lives, that of course we have moments of vulnerability. But vulnerability is a skill like anything else. So I want this episode to focus on how we can kind of start to flex that vulnerability muscle and take steps to be vulnerable in small ways so that we can build up to having those big moments of courage or really expressing something really difficult that maybe we've been holding on to for a while or wanting to express for a while, but we're too afraid to. So we're going to dive into all, all, facet, all facets of vulnerability here. Firstly, I want to get into invulnerability and how and why that manifests. And to me, in, in my own life, in the work that I've done with others, one of my biggest takeaways when it comes to vulnerability is that invulnerability or a lack of vulnerability is a byproduct of trauma. Almost always. I, I, don't, I don't know that I've really experienced a case where that wasn't the case. And we talked a lot about trauma in a previous episode, and if you haven't given that one a listen, I definitely recommend doing that. Dives into how trauma gets created, what it does to our physical bodies, to our physiology, where it gets stored all that good stuff, so some science shit, some metaphysical shit, some energy shit, some stuff about chakras, good stuff. But so essentially when we're conditioned or brought up in an environment that where authentic expression feels unsafe, and by authentic expression I mean... So we can use an example of, I think I used this in the episode about trauma, but I love this example. If you look at a, a young child, they very openly express whatever is authentic in the moment. When they're sad, they cry. When they're happy, they laugh. When they're angry, they have a temper tantrum. And that's not to say that we need to act exactly like that because there are definitely skills that we can learn to allow those feelings and that those energies to move through us in a different way, in a way that still allows those things to be expressed authentically. But if you look at a child whose conditioning hasn't really been set in yet, there is authentic expression and they roll from one to the other 
They can be joyful in one moment and then suddenly terribly angry. And then a second later, they're laughing like it never happened. And it's amazing to watch and to witness. But so many of us, our upbringing told us that that wasn't good, that that wasn't proper, that that wasn't the way to behave and to be in our society or within our family unit, that that wasn't okay, that we needed to be different. So we learned to repress and to shove it down and to hold on to it. So we're conditioned to feel that authentic expression isn't safe or when we're not modeled healthy vulnerability we carry that pattern into the rest of our life so if you struggle with vulnerability what I'm trying to get at is if you struggle with vulnerability which so many of us do so if you do first of all you are not alone you are definitely not alone. So many people just struggle with that quietly. But if you do struggle, it's not your fault. It's not your fault at all because you grew up in a world that, that punishes vulnerability. Every, literally every part of this culture, this society that we've built punishes vulnerability. If you look at ads, TV shows, movies, books, politics, religion, family structures, how we're brought up, what we're taught about what it means to be a girl or a boy or a human being within our social structure, every single thing that we are modeled and taught is pretty much the opposite of fostering healthy vulnerability and authentic vulnerability. So invulnerability is literally a byproduct of trauma. There's a physical, not just a mental, emotional response, but a physical response in our body to others being vulnerable with us or to the thought of us having to be vulnerable with somebody else when we're carrying trauma that has not been processed. There's a physical response because every cell in your body remembers trauma. And as I'm, I, this is super important. I wanna mention this again in this episode because trauma does not necessarily mean it isn't necessarily some horrific act of violence that is carried out against you, although it is most certainly that. Those acts are most certainly trauma. But trauma is a spectrum. Trauma can be getting bullied as a kid. It can be getting beaten by a parent. Trauma can look so many ways and it's really easy for us to fall into a pattern of, oh, well, at least that didn't happen to me, or mine wasn't that bad, so it's not valid. So I shouldn't feel this way. We, we're really good at talking ourselves out of feeling our trauma, of accepting 
the fact that we have trauma. But literally, we're human beings. Being human means to have trauma. That's, that's kind of part of the deal. Unfortunately, unfortunately, trauma can be a huge gift in terms of, and I'm not saying that the thing, that horrible things happening are good. I'm saying that trauma can present opportunities for resilience. So in the face of something really hard happening, we can't go back and change that. That's not an option, unfortunately. It'd be nice if it was, but we can't go back and change that. So we can sit in it and allow that trauma to keep us prisoner. But we also have an opportunity to step into something else, to step into a deeper resilience, to step into oftentimes channeling that into doing meaningful work for others and helping others. But because of... So, yeah, that was a little bit of a a sidestep there. But I I just wanted to make it clear that what I mean when I say trauma... Because trauma comes in all shapes, all sizes, it's a spectrum. But all trauma that hasn't been processed when we don't allow ourselves to process trauma or when we've been conditioned not to allow that energy to move through us, it gets stuck. And our nervous system becomes conditioned. It learns to feel that Vulnerability means that your physical safety is in danger, that your life is potentially in danger. Even if the trauma wasn't about your physical safety. You know, back in the... When societies were more tribal, if you were outcast from the tribe or if you were not accepted into the tribe for whatever reason... Survival was at stake. So when your nervous system becomes conditioned to feel because of past trauma that vulnerability means that you might not be able to survive, our bodies learn to recoil like mine used to. It learns to recoil in the presence of vulnerability, whether it's the thought of our own vulnerability or maybe the expression of another's. The expression of another's vulnerability might drum up a sense of shame internally or unsafe, uh, lack of safety. We might, this was a big one for me, this used to be huge for me, we might dissociate or have to fantasize during sex to avoid being present and feeling vulnerable. I used to do a lot of that, but I didn't, I didn't even realize that's why. I just thought like, oh man, I guess maybe I like to be in my head during sex. I guess maybe I like to fantasize. But what I came to realize after a lot of internal work in myself is that being present with somebody in a moment, feeling my body in that moment, felt so unsafe that it felt safer for me to mentally be somewhere else. 
And I'm not saying that's the case for everybody. I'm not, you know, definitely not saying that. But that, that's what I found in myself. And I do find that in a lot of people that have trauma, that have issues around sex, that have issues around vulnerabilities, that those things can often go hand in hand. We may, our bodies might shut down when we feel afraid or sad or angry. That's called the freeze response. So there's fight or flight and there's freeze and there's fawn. So the freeze response is kind of an evolutionary, and I talk about this again in the episode about trauma, but the freeze response is an evolutionary response when we're unable to fight, when we're unable to run away, which is often the case in our family of origin, especially when there's parental figures involved or adults involved. When we can't fight back, we're not strong enough to fight back, when we can't run away because our survival depends on them. Our body physically shuts down to try to protect, our brain tries to protect us from having to feel whatever's happening, either physically or emotionally. So it creates a shutting down inside of ourselves when there's vulnerability. Or what happens, you know, frequently, and this is kind of how abuse gets and violence gets propagated and how, how it gets kind of passed along and how it's often a chain that happens within families is that we turn, I'm not often, sometimes, some people might turn to anger or rage or violence when they feel afraid or when they feel vulnerability or when they feel, or when vulnerability triggers that lack of safety because anger and rage feels powerful and it feels safer and more powerful and more in control than what we're truly feeling, what lies underneath that anger and that rage, which is almost always fear. And that's not to, I don't, I'm not saying that, I'm, my intention here is not to say that to try to excuse those emotions or a violent expression of those emotions because that's absolutely not okay. But I say that to frame the complexity of what shows up as a result of growing up in a world, in a society, in households, in family structures that shut down vulnerability. All of these things are symptoms of that. And when we become adults, we become responsible. Like whatever was given to us or dumped onto us by our upbringing, by our trauma, is now our responsibility. Unfortunately, it sucks. That's the unfortunate reality of it. We're not alone in having to process that, but it does become our responsibility. And it definitely doesn't feel fair. 
I have a, a background in 12-step programs. And one somebody in, in one of my sharing groups one time said something that really resonated to me about all of this is that if you you know, are walking on the street or riding your bike and you get hit by a car and injured and the accident was not your fault, it was fully the driver's fault, it was they weren't paying attention, they did something that caused you to get injured. That was their fault fully. However, your care you rehabbing yourself, you healing and doing the work that needs to be done, that's something that you have to do. That's the unfortunate reality of it. And you can think of trauma in the same way. It's not, it's not fair that things happen. It's not okay that certain things happen. It's not, it's, and it's most certainly not your fault. But healing does become your responsibility. And when we start to travel down that road, when we do get to a place where we can find some acceptance of the things that happen to us, or at least for me, I'm not going to say we, I'll only speak from my experience. What I found is you know, after processing the anger and the rage and the hurt and the grief and the physical aspects and the, emo the emotional aspects and the mental aspects and the spiritual aspects, all that stuff, I started to see that hiding underneath all of that pain were, for me, some gifts in there. I'm resilient as fuck. I'm strong as hell. I'm... I have solid boundaries now. I, my bullshit meter is very sensitive. I know what types of people and what types of energy to stay away from. Like th those experiences have made me who I am and even though they were really fucking hard and I would not wish them on any human being, any living being, some of the, my best qualities are, were strengthened as a result of those experiences. So, that got a little sidetracked there, but <laughs> um, the next thing I want to dive into is boundaries and self-care. Because when we talk about vulnerability or when we hear the word vulnerability, very often our conditioning tells us that vulnerability is weak. Vulnerability is not, does not mean strength. But what I've come to learn is that vulnerability is boundaries and self-care. Self-care and strong boundaries are vulnerability. Like they're the crux of vulnerability. So setting firm boundaries and prioritizing our own care because of the world that we live in, because so much of our conditioning tells us that vulnerability is weak, boundaries and self-care and putting our own needs above others 
often feels selfish. It feels cold. It feels counterintuitive. It, it can even feel harmful to others. Because what society tells us is altruism or what, doing, what it means to do the right thing is often self-sacrificing and it's not it's harmful to ourselves and it empties our own cup and we can't you I'm sure you've heard this you can't pour from an empty cup which is so true but all of this so this whole idea of boundaries and self-care being selfish is totally a symptom of the shadow feminine which I discussed at length in a previous podcast episode so uh, and what I mean just very briefly by the shadow feminine is so feminine femininity or feminine energy which has nothing to do with being a woman every human being has contains feminine and masculine energy every being I gave a example that I'll briefly reuse here that a tree look at a tree it has feminine and masculine energy. It's feminine energy, which is receptiveness, openness, surrender. Those are all very strong qualities because it has to be open and receptive to the sunlight and the sun's rays in order to create the nutrients that it needs to grow. And it has that masculine energy when it reaches towards the sun and stretches towards the sun. But both of those qualities are absolutely vital for being for its treeness and the same can be said about humans so that's what I mean when I talk about feminine energy and the shadow feminine is kind of the the dark side of that openness of that receptiveness which is you know can look like when it comes to vulnerability especially can look like repressing ourselves shutting ourselves down making ourselves small not sticking up for our own needs, giving, overgiving, when we're just exhausted and we don't have anything to give, caretaking at the expense of ourselves and what we need. So that's, those are some shadow feminine qualities. And the, the way that invulnerability manifests is very much tied into those shadow feminine qualities because even though feminine energy is openness and receptivity and surrender that doesn't mean softness or retreating and it cert- most certainly does not look like self-sacrifice. And I, I wanna go, I'm going to go into a little bit more detail about what I mean by that because I think it's really easy to kind of fall into that trap that vulnerability or, you know, that, those feminine, that feminine quality of vulnerability is, oh, it's soft, it's quiet, it's, it's small. It puts others before itself. No. not at all vulnerability means having the courage and the strength to 
express what is there fully and authentically with love, with kindness, with empathy. But it does not mean making yourself small. It does not mean retreating. It does not mean overgiving. Vulnerability, to me, looks like never having to question where you stand with somebody because they will always tell you openly exactly. you. So you will always know exactly where you stand. That, to me, is fucking vulnerable. And vulnerability is often very uncomfortable, especially when it's not a muscle that we're used to flexing, especially when it's not a skill that we were taught or that we've actively worked to cultivate. And it's important to note, too, that vulnerability does not always feel good when you're on the receiving end of it. (laughs) It often doesn't feel super good especially when it's somebody expressing a need that maybe goes counter to your own insecurities or your own uh, issues with self-worth or your own issues with self-love. So it doesn't always feel good to be on the receiving end of vulnerability, but vulnerability establishes deep trust. Because if I am too afraid to tell somebody how I feel, They're not going to know where they stand with me. And so whether or not they realize that there's going to be trust issues. But if I have the courage to be open about exactly what's arising with love, with kindness, with empathy, with understanding, that builds deep trust. Deep, deep trust. And So something that I want to mention, too, is that it's... So I want to talk about how you distinguish moments when you need... That maybe you could probably step into vulnerability a little bit more. Or, like, moments when... How to identify moments when vulnerability could be practiced. In those moments, so there's these moments, and hopefully you understand what the moments that I'm talking about, because I know these come up for me, and and you know the people that I, the friends that I have, the people in my community, the people that I work with. I, you know, but I didn't always, I wasn't always good at identifying this. So hopefully this makes sense. But those moments when you have that feeling in your body or there's a quiet voice that arises inside of you that says, this doesn't feel right, or I don't want this, or I should want this. I'm so selfish if I don't do it anyway. I should want to do this, or I'm supposed to do this. That's a pretty good indicator that you're crossing your own boundaries, And especially, particularly, if there's a physical response, if your body tightens up, if your body shuts down, that is a huge indicator that there has been a boundary violation or that you have a boundary somewhere that you need to, that you could possibly explore that maybe you haven't discovered yet. 
So vulnerability is not only admitting to yourself that I don't want to do this or something about this doesn't feel right. It's not only admitting those things to yourself and honoring yourself in that way, but it's also, vulnerability is also honoring what's true inside you by speaking it to others versus just going along with something because you feel like you're supposed to or that's what you should or, you know, so many times I, I know this, ha- you know, in my own life and in my own experience, I had a lot of issues with boundaries. I had fucking terrible boundaries. I didn't even know what a boundary was, to be honest. <laughs> Um, I, I would go along, I was very people pleasy. I would go along with things that others wanted to do, even though I didn't want to do them. And, you know, when I look back, so much of that stemmed from being a good girl. Good girls do this. Good girls do this. Good girls don't do this. And so my conditioning and so many conditions, so much of the conditioning that we face as women and, you know, within feminine energy, which is all human beings, is kind of bypassing your own boundaries. So starting to cultivate vulnerability has a lot to do with boundaries. And strong boundaries are vulnerable as fuck. Y'all, for real. Having strong boundaries is vulnerable as hell. And then include in self-care too, like taking the time to yourself that you need to recharge. Like to go say, okay, I understand that I could, or like as a good wife, a good mom, a good partner, a good human, a good employee, a good insert fill in the blank here, does this. But to step back and say, no, I need this right now. Like, I need to go take a hot bath. I need a couple hours to myself. That is vulnerable as fuck. And (laughs) I want to make it clear, too, that shit can feel awful. Vulnerability, especially... You know, the vulnerab- all this vulnerability goes so counter to our conditioning and to what we're told we should be doing. Vulnerability can feel fucking terrible. It can elicit feelings of guilt and shame and not enoughness and not good enoughness. Like, oh, if I was good enough, I should be able to do all these things. If I was better, I would be able to handle all of this. No. That's an indicator that you, like me, like so many other people, have some boundaries that aren't being, aren't really being honored. And especially in a world where, in this world where our conditioning and our upbringing and our culture tells us that to be selfish is the worst thing you could possibly do. Don't be selfish, don't be selfish, don't be selfish, don't be selfish. selfish. It's awful. But I, so I think we need to kind of reclaim the word selfish, to be honest, because 
I already said this, but you can't pour from an empty cup. That's the whole reason that the, you know, when you get on an airplane, they tell you to put your own mask on before somebody else's. Like you can't help somebody else if you haven't first done what you need to do to be good, to be stable, to be balanced, to be centered. You have to have enough. You have to give yourself enough in order to give to others. And I found that in my own life, when I focus on myself first, I have way more energy to give to others than I did when I focused all of my energy on others. And it feels so counterintuitive, but it's super fucking true. So I think we kind of need to reclaim the word selfish a little bit. Uh, I, I was having a conversation with somebody recently and he told, so he's a healer and he told me that in the work that he does, he uses the word self-centered very often and is trying to, with his clients, turns that into something that's very positive. And I love that. I totally love that. Being centered in yourself, putting yourself and your needs at the center, which I know like it, even the thought of that might trigger something in you that's like, oh, that's selfish. Ooh, I'm not supposed to do that. Ooh, that doesn't feel good. But I'm telling you, if you feel drained, if you feel resentment over, you know, the things that you do and the ways that you give, that is signaling that some boundaries need to be put into place. So being self-centered is actually kind of what we want to strive for. We could all stand to be more self-centered. I think the world would be a better place if we were self-centered taking care of ourselves, we wouldn't be so resentful, we wouldn't be so fearful, we wouldn't be so angry, we wouldn't be so frustrated. The world would be a way more peaceful place when you think about it that way. To nurture ourselves, to fill our own cup before we try to pour into another's, to be present and loving for ourselves. What better way to model good skills, like healthy skills to other people than to embody them in yourself. Taking care of yourself is an act of self-love. It's an act of self-worship. And when you do that, you're showing others that you respect yourself, that you love yourself, and you're more likely to get that in return from them. Otherwise, it's difficult to care for others without turning ending up turning to martyrdom or resentment. And I know that because I spent so much time there. Every partnership that I had, I turned myself into like this mother role for my partners and did everything for them and essentially treated them like children and ended up being really fucking resentful. It's like, why do I have to do all of this? Why do I have to do all of this? Why can't you do things for yourself? But what I didn't realize is that my conditioning put me in a position where I was ultimately doing it to myself. And I wasn't, and when I say that, I, I wasn't making a conscious choice to do it. So it's not that it was my fault. It's something that was handed to me, you know, from based on my upbringing and my trauma. But... I turned, it, I turned myself into this martyr that, oh, this person can't get along without me. This person won't be okay without me. And that was not a good place to be. When I realized that I didn't have boundaries, I didn't know what boundaries were, that was a huge thing for me. 
And starting to set up those boundaries actually really helped me with starting to step into a place where I felt more comfortable with vulnerability. Because if I, if I couldn't stick up for myself in that way, if I couldn't set a boundary and allow what's something that belongs to somebody else to be theirs, how can I expect myself to express an emotion openly? So after talking about all of this, it feels very, very important. This is like crucial that I mention this. So I mentioned that vulnerability, yeah, it doesn't look like softness or retreat or any of that stuff. It looks like very firm, solid boundaries. But that said, vulnerability does not look like violence. It does not look like abuse. It does not look like instilling fear into another human being. It does not look like putting somebody else down. It does not look like judgment. Vulnerability does not look like criticism. Vulnerability does not look like manipulation. So I want to make that very clear. And that said, I used to fall into that trap. I totally used to do that. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm vulnerable. I can tell somebody how I feel. But when I was doing that, it was all criticism and manipulation, and it was me sharing for the purpose of trying to get my own way. It was me sharing for the purpose of trying to change somebody else's behavior or trying to get someone else to do something that I wanted them to do or to do something that made me feel more comfortable or less fearful. That's not what vulnerability looks like. Vulnerability, so to give an example, I was in a previous relationship where there was addiction issues and I stuck it out for a while and they were severely affecting our relationship. I stuck it out for a while and told myself I need to check in on this person, make sure he's going to his 12-step groups. I need to, you know, keep an eye out on him. I need to do all these things. I was doing so much to try to control or control what he was doing and change his behavior because I felt unsafe. That was not vulnerability. At the time, it, I thought it was, but it wasn't when I look back. Vulnerability was me setting boundaries in that relationship and saying, if you are going to do this, that's fine, but here's what I need. Like, if, if you're going to do this thing, that's fine, but I'm not going to be part of it. I'm not going to include myself in that you don't get to pull me into something. So in that relationship, me stepping into vulnerability was me leaving the relationship. And that's not to say that if you're in a similar situation that you're not being vulnerable if you don't leave the relationship. That's not what I'm saying at all. For me, in that experience, that's what 
vulnerability meant. It, vulnerability is sharing to be known, to be seen, to allow whatever energy is arising within you to move freely through you so that you're not just holding on to it, shoving it down, letting it spin inside of you. It's sharing to be known, not to change the world around you or to change people or situations around you. Because that's just, that's fear. And that's, that's pointing back to something inside of ourselves that needs to be looked at. And with that said, I want to just briefly <laughs> mention this, is that ultimately we're each living in a world where we are at the center of our own universe. And some might not agree with this, and that's totally okay with me. I don't necessarily need you to agree with it. And I'm not saying it's this is the this is the absolute truth and this is what is true and no other perspective is valid, not at all. So this is just from my own experience. The only perspective and experience that we can fully know and understand is our own. So everything that we're doing in our life is coming from a place of our own perspective. It's coming through a very specific, very narrow lens. Everything we do, every interaction we have is all relative to our own experience and our own stories and our own conditioning and our own trauma and our own ideas and our own beliefs. Everything we do, every interaction we have, we're essentially at the center of it all. In uh, Don Miguel Ruiz's book, the, so the four agreements and then the fifth agreement, I think it's in the fifth agreement that he talks about how kind of the, it's a metaphor for our life. So I'm, in my life, I'm sitting in a movie theater and I'm watching my life play out on a screen. And in that movie, I'm the main character. But if you go to my sister's movie theater, she's sitting in the audience and watching a movie, and it's the movie about her life, and she's the main character. And in her movie, I'm just a supporting character. So everything, so my movie or my life is all revolving around me. And that's not necessarily to sound egotistical or selfish or self-centered. It's just kind of the, the reality of it is I only know my life based on my own experiences and my own ideas and my own trauma through my own lens. And vulnerability, what vulnerability means is speaking truth to that with love, with empathy, with kindness. It's not trying to put somebody else into our idea of what they should be because that's our experience, not theirs. That's our truth, not theirs. We can't try to make somebody fit into our truth. We can only speak what's true inside of ourselves. So it can be, I want to say all of that to say that it can be really tempting and kind of slippery too. It can, you know, we're not always aware of it, but it can be tempting to share our truth 
because we want to change someone else's behavior. And a lot of people frequently do that unconsciously, myself included. I do, I still catch myself. I used to do it way, way more. But I still catch myself in this, in sharing something and then realizing that, shit, (laughs) there I go again. I did it again. What I thought was vulnerability was actually me trying to feel safe or have control over something to feel safe. I catch myself in that so frequently, and I'm thankful that I'm at least aware of it at this point because that makes it a lot easier, but it's, man, it's a bugger to to be sitting and be like, fuck, did it again. (laughs) But, I mean, that's, I don't know, you have to be able to laugh at it because... What else can you do? That's, that's part of being human, I guess. <laughs> so I want to spend the last little bit of this episode getting into how to practice vulnerability. So what, how can we, you know, if we, if we didn't grow up in an environment where that skill was modeled to us or where maybe even, you know, that, that state of being vulnerable was actually punished in us. We were punished for that, which is such a shame, but how can we go from that to starting to step into vulnerability and starting to practice and starting to kind of, you know, like dip your toe into the vulnerability pond and, you know, how can we start to do that? It's fucking scary and I just want to acknowledge that. Like, it's scary. But it's just super worth it. It, it improves everything. It improved everything about my life. It improved my relationships with others. It improved my relationship with myself. It improved my work experience. I feel more joyful. I don't carry the shame and the guilt and the resentment that I used to. It's just, it's been such a blessing for me. So the way that I like to think about building vulnerability is how can I find little moments like micro moments of vulnerability in my life to start to practice and to start to flex that muscle? How can I find moments of micro vulnerability? And a a good, a helpful, I'm not going to say a good, that like you should do this. I'm not saying, I don't want to come off that way at all, but a practice that could be interesting to explore, that could be helpful in your life to explore, is sitting down and thinking, just kind of, you know, pondering the ways that you, kind of where you want to get to, first of all, like, in what's a, in what ways in your life do you wish that you could be really vulnerable, and with who, and starting to kind of step back from there, and think, okay, I want to be more vulnerable with this person, with my partner, with my sister, with my brother, with my parents, with my friends. Start simple. Start really small. It can look like the authentic expression of joyful feelings. Like, thank you. I feel really... It can, it can look like expressing gratitude 
I feel really grateful for our relationship. It's really important to me. You mean a lot to me. And that can be a text. It can start as a text. Or you can try it in person. Or, you know, I feel really grateful for the lesson that I learned through that argument that we had. Or that, that argument that we had taught me this. And... Thank you for that. It can look like creating space to start to accept your own feelings when you're alone. Vulnerability can look like journaling and just being fully honest. My journal is... uh, (laughs) I write not so much anymore. I still write a lot, but I used to journal profusely. And if you looked in my journal, you'd probably think that yeah I don't know what you would think but there was a lot going on it's just like ping-ponging all over the place it's just like I hate this person (laughs) I hate myself I hate everything and then the next time would be like everything is beautiful everything's amazing so it's (laughs) the the practice of creating space for yourself is not necessarily to you know it's not to hold back it's to let whatever is true in the moment flow through and to understand that that truth is going to change from moment to moment what's true and authentic is fluid so it can look like journaling it can look like starting by expressing very small needs like I I could really use a night out with you or I feel like I'm feeling like I would like a hug. Can I get a hug from you? Or I could really use a little space right now. Or I could really use a hot bath. Do you mind taking care of this thing while I go do that? So it can can look really simple. I'm trying to think of some other things. It can also look like expressing things out loud to yourself in moments when you feel sad. Just sitting by yourself and saying out loud, I feel sad or I feel angry. And just sitting with that and letting that be what's there without... I mean, I I could... You know, I was going to say letting that be there without judgment, but if there's judgment, that's okay too. Because if that's what's naturally arising, then that deserves to be honored just as much as the other feeling. So maybe maybe it looks like sitting by yourself and saying, I feel sad right now, and I feel judgment towards myself for feeling sad. It's little moments of vulnerability. It's just being with what's there. It doesn't have to look like some huge conversation that you've been wanting to have or you've been avoiding. I don't think that's necessarily the the best place to, you know, dive right in. You know, don't dive into the deep end when you don't know how to swim. It's starting to wade, you know, slowly wade into the water. Put your floaties on. Put your inner tube around your waist and slowly start to wade in adjust to the water and then 
maybe hold on to your inner tube and start to kick your legs and build up your muscle strength. You know, don't don't just dive in and try to swim all at once. It takes time. It takes a lot of work. It takes practice, but it's it's worth it. So I would definitely recommend that. And, you know, vulnerability can also look like, it, it can look like expressing needs, like, hey, I could really use a, can we have a conversation about this? I'd really like to have a conversation about this. But no, or, you know, it could look like, hey, I could really, I, I'm feeling like I need you to clean the dishes in the sink. Do you mind doing that? But without, it's not, ugh, I hate this. Ugh, you never do this. Ugh. I, cause, and I'm, I used to do that, so I'm very guilty of this, <laughs> of this behavior. I used to be highly critical, and the way that I would ask for things was not kind. It was judgmental. It was critical. It was manipulative. It's like, oh, I do all these things for you. I need you to just do this one thing for me. Why can't you just do this one thing for me? That's that's not vulner that's not true vulnerability because that's still us hiding behind the criticism behind the judgment and there's nothing per se wrong with that but it's it's a process so just understand and be patient with yourself and have grace for yourself and if you do find those moments of you know when you're practicing vulnerability if you do find that criticism coming up you know, don't, try not to be so hard on yourself. Just maintain awareness. Maybe sit and write about it later, reflect on it. Apologize when it comes up and acknowledge it. And and that can be something else. You know, vulnerability can look like an acknowledgement of something. It's like, hey, I, I acknowledge that that fight we had last week or, you know, this thing that I said to you was prob- probably felt hurtful. I just want to acknowledge that. Or I want to acknowledge that we had a really good time last night. It was so much fun to spend time with you. So thank you. It can be anything. Vulnerability doesn't have to be all the hardest conversations. So work up to that. Hopefully this has given you some... Some things to practice, some things to think about. And before we, before we wrap up, I just want to give a reminder that vulnerability is fucking uncomfortable. And it's terrifying and it's scary. And it, when we start, it doesn't always feel good. You know, there's, there's, there may be a physical response to feeling vulnerable. And, you know, some things that we can practice to help us with that is maybe some breathing exercises. Like I said, journaling is a really profound one, but, you know, sitting quietly for a few moments and breathing and really focusing on the breath. Just sitting quietly to kind of center yourself before you try to go do something, before you try to go express something that maybe feels scary. But 
I want to acknowledge that this process isn't easy. Like we, we live in a world that is not vulnerable. There's very little about this world that's vulnerable. I mean, you have to, uh, even down to the, the careers that require the most softness and the most vulnerability and boundaries, like professions that are often carried out by women, like nursing, teaching, Though therapy, you know, therapists, those, it's just those, you know, those roles in our society are, we don't value them. And you look at, we say that we do, but they're not well paid. And so how much do we really value them? How much do we really value vulnerability as a society when the people who must be the most vulnerable, whether it's the most physically vulnerable as somebody in the healthcare industry, the most emotionally vulnerable as somebody working with populations that are at risk, when we don't value them financially, how much can, do we really value them? So we live in a world that's really broken when it comes to vulnerability. You know, the, we live in the shadow feminine, which is, includes lack of vulnerability. And the shadow masculine qualities, aggression, rage, they, they hide the vulnerability that's possible. So we, li we live in a sick society. We live in a sick world. But things are changing. I don't, don't want to end on that note. <laughs> Everything is awful. Goodbye. Uh, <laughs> that, would be, that would not be a nice thing to do. I would never do that to you. <laughs> but things are changing, and I feel really, really hopeful because the awareness that we're starting to cultivate is really beautiful. And the, the fact that if you're listening to this right now, that tells me something. That tells me where our world is headed. The fact that we're thinking about these things, that we're conscious of these things, that we acknowledge that we need help. We acknowledge that we don't want to stay stuck in all of these dysfunctional patterns, like that's so amazing. It's like, if you're fucking listening to this, you should be, whether or not you, like even if you still struggle with vulnerability, if you're listening to this, like that's fucking amazing. Like that in itself is a fucking vulnerable act. And you should be so fucking proud of that. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Conscious Pussy Podcast. I'm really glad that you're listening to this. I hope that you're enjoying this podcast so far. If you do have topics that you would like to submit, that you'd like to hear me discuss that relate to women's health, that relate to sexuality, that relate to periods, that relate to boundaries, to trauma 
all that shit is my jam. So, and nothing is too taboo. So send me a message. Let me know if there's something that you'd like to hear. I'll put the link to the form where you can submit that in the show notes. Or if you just want to submit feedback, I'd love that too. That'd be awesome. But I appreciate you joining me, and I look forward to another episode of this. I'm really enjoying doing this. I don't, <laughs> I don't often get to talk about this stuff. So, you know, if nothing else, this podcast is a fun way for me to talk about shit that I love talking about, that I love nerding out about. So thanks for joining me, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>